goal chance for Conor McGregor and he'll surely give it in Conor. What a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 meter line. Keep oh, Mackey still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is up for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly, but will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Did a small change before the game, worth the street. I've been a I think Michael Dignan and Henry have had a go. Let me say this straight out. Michael Dignan and Henry have never managed any team at a high level. The people need to wake up, so they do. If they want the same one or two teams to play a hurling and be successful, that's fine. Myself and Derek are trying to bring teams to the fore that haven't been to the fore in a long time, and I'm very strong about this. It's great for the likes of Michael Dignan. He should have had an opinion on something recently, and he didn't have it, when he should have stood up. It's time now, Michael Dignan, stop this messing. This is Off The Balls Friday GAA podcast. It is... Shane Sableton. And Oshin Langan with you. Shane, how can we get you? Uh, call down to Balls Bridge or go to... At Shane said I'd say go with the Twitter option You can get me on At Oshin Lang And that obviously Was Davy Fitzgerald Not holding back On the pundits Following the Wexford Loss to Waterford Last weekend We'll discuss Davy I suppose a little bit But More so than Davy We want to talk about The exit of Clare And Wexford Because some big ones Are falling in the championship It's that time of year Big ones? Who's that? Well there would have been Expectancy on both of them and what would the expectancy have been based on? Well, Clare would have been recent All-Ireland champions and Wexford beat Kilkenny in this championship. The fluke here? Twice they beat Wexford, not in, or twice they beat Kilkenny, not in the championship. Oh, obviously. sorry, I'm talking about Clare, the fluke year in 2013. What have they done for oh, us other than that? Well, very little, but they still have an awful lot of talent. Oh, they have talent, of course. Mm. Actually, do you know... I'm I, basing my expectancy on their talent and the fact that they're relatively recent All-Ireland champions, although <clears> that... Big circle is now becoming a bit more of a dot it's in the distance. The greatest asterisk of all time. Since Buffers Alley won the All-Ireland in 1989, they beat ah, a Ross Common team in the semi-final and uh, uh, some possibly an Antrim team in the final. So there you go. Ah. Anyway, it mightn't have even been, it might have been a down team. I'm not 100% sure. But you know what? Uh, the one thing before I hammer Claire is that the saving grace or, or sort of a little bit of an explanation for them at least would be the likes of Conor Ryan isn't there from 2013. You know, he's had the, the bit of a blood issue. Colin Ryan isn't there and uh, they could have done with a free taker the other day. Not and to a mention, bit of solidity as well. Yeah, not to mention his other qualities because uh, too often when you say, geez, he's great on the freeze, it's almost like you're inferring that he's not good at other things. Mm. Uh, Donal O'Donovan isn't there at cornerback. He's, uh, I think he went working in London. I'm not 100% sure on that one. Uh, when he da- left the panel, it was because of work yeah. commitments anyway. That's what I know. David McInerney was obviously injured. Um, I'm not 100% and sure. And Oshin O'Brien, who's a really good man marker, was injured coming into the Munster Championship. He was taken yeah. off in the first half. It was a mistake to start him. I'm not sure they picked their best and most informed team yeah. for last week and even the Munster final. And that's the really frustrating thing about Clare. And I think maybe they know that themselves as well. They've They've kind of left two behind them, haven't they? Yeah, they probably have, and like the, if even just what they did with the puck out strategy against Cork. Well, look, we've been through that, and that's all the kind of mitigating factors to say that you know Clare could have done uh, possibly done more with their season. They hit a lot of bad wides against mm. Tipperary, and Tip were just like Tip were they're sort of team that every five minutes they're like, oh Jesus, Clare after catching up with us, we better hit them with a few unbelievable scores here, and then they'd fall asleep again, and then the, it seemed at any stage they were capable of stepping it up. 
Yeah. And this is a tip team where the full back line looks very, very vulnerable and they're giving away scores. But, you know, the golf in class at times was apparent, I felt. And that might sound harsh or whatever, but like, we're used to Clare not delivering. I, I mean, think of the last three seasons or since the All-Ireland final. What have they done? Nothing. And there's absolutely no argument final. for me coming... Yeah, on that particular subject but again I think they know that themselves you're from Waterford, what I like, would say about this management team is they're not there that long so it takes a while to develop and they have been unlucky yeah. with injuries um, I, I thought it was a strange atmosphere on Saturday in the first game I thought maybe it was to do with the stadium and people were settling in I really love the new stadium by the way but I think it was just a very strange game James uh, Woodlock would talk to us about Tip yeah. and where they're at ahead of the semi-finals by the way a little bit later on he obviously was part of the squad that won the All-Ireland in 2010 although he was very unlucky to lose out through injury but uh, I think he proved his worth as an inter- inter-county player he over did. the years Yeah he had a horror leg break in yeah. a county final that year against That's Carlos right. oh horrific stuff uh, yeah. I think it was broken in 8 places or maybe yeah. maybe 4 but either way to, it's To horrific. get back playing at all yeah. was actually quite an achievement and then on Sunday we moved on to Waterford knocking out Wexford now the talking point has not been Wexford losing or Waterford winning well people have discussed Waterford a little bit but it has been about Davey and what he said about the pundits now that was very smart from Davey because he took the focus off a poor performance from Wexford a second poor performance in a row yeah yeah. well like I don't know if it was a poor performance against Galway I'm not sure that they were capable of a whole lot more on his year one because after a half an hour it's not as if they stopped hurling it's as if Galway were just all over them strangled them yeah and uh, like 30 minutes were gone and Wexford were like that person who's kind of trying to get to the get to the shore, swimming for shore, you know, just they just seemed out of energy and yeah. halftime couldn't come quick enough. I just don't think that they've got, I you don't know, know on the forward I, line, their, their, their yeah. inside line was stuck in there. There was, Waterford were set up nicely around them. I'd say there's even a cut of zonal defence w- along with the man marking because you can kind of mix the two. And it never seemed like that Wexford forward line could get on the ball at all. Like Sean Murphy, how many times did he look up? And it was once or twice he had to, he was running down the line and ready to pin one into the corner for a forward. And he actually had to cut back and go on to his maybe left side or whatever and hit it into a 50-50 situation. You know what? Maybe I'm being very, very harsh or overly harsh by saying they were poor. Waterford are down the road a bit as compared to Wexford regards the system that they play and Wexford and Waterford when they met you could see it was kind of two teams playing a similar system but obviously Waterford have it honed or perfected three, four years into Derek's reign whereas Davey are in the first year there's a bit of youth there they're still getting used to each other so they'll grow and they'll develop but will they be doing that under Davey? He seemed rather non-committal this week about it. Yeah, I wonder like at the end of a season when you know, you've done very well in the early stages. You've you've won promotion from the league that nobody was expecting about. You've beaten Kilkenny in the league. You've beaten them again in the championship. And then things start to peter out a little bit in terms of you losing that Leinster final quite comprehensively. Even if the scoreline wasn't an embarrassment or, or anything like that, uh, they lost it well. And then they lost... Uh, there was only... What, what was it in for a finish? Was it four or five... Five points against Waterford, but either one nineteen to one twenty three. But the goal for Wexford yeah. came so late; it didn't. It didn't make a difference. There was never a suggestion they were going to win yeah. that game as it was coming into the second half. So I think, even if it's not pre-planned, the idea of saying I'm not sure I'll be around for next year straight away, rather than the knives coming out for any aspects of of uh, of where yep. they came up short this year, everyone's going. Well, geez, we better get him back. That conversation yep. doesn't really happen because you're like well, geez, the last thing we want is someone else coming in and, and sending us down the wrong the wrong path. Yeah. But for you now, 
a big thing that Derek McGrath and a lot of his players said at the start of the 2015 season, especially when they went on to win the league, and this was year number two for him, was that all the players bought into into just trying to even change their body shapes. They had the nutritionist, they were working like crazy in the gym, and pretty quickly they turned it around overnight. I felt that when you saw Willie Deverick's getting knocked onto the ground, when you saw Lee Chin getting knocked onto the ground once and knocked backwards another time, that Watford looked yeah. like a team a few more years down the line physically. It's all informed by that semi-final defeat to Kilkenny in Derek's second year in charge. Austin Gleeson talked about that game and he said he got knocked over by Michael Fenley at some stage during the first half and he didn't realise how hardy the Kilkenny lads were Ooh. and he knew that he had to get to that level. And yeah. the whole team obviously know that and they've developed it. Now, I don't buy into this thing that Waterford can't get at Cork because I think they can evolve the system even further. But look, that's a debating point for next week or the week after. Yeah. Just before we let the hurling go for now, do you think Davy was just playing distraction tactics by dropping in that thing about the pundits or did you find it weird that he mentioned tweets by pundits that were put out during a game in which he was managing and he knew pretty quickly afterwards? Michael Dignan raised that point during the week. He said... Why doesn't someone ask him that question? Mm. Well, we don't know, you know, what happened in between the time Davy came off the field and when he yeah. eventually came out to the press conference, which could have been the guts of 20 minutes later. Yeah. I was there. And so maybe just in passing, someone on his backroom team or one of his friends messaged him or, or, or whatever happened and just said, Jesus, Dignan's after going in heavy or showed it to him and showing it to him. And the same with Henry Shefflin. But I will say that John Fogarty of The Examiner specifically asked Davy mm-hmm. about tech messages from Dignan and from Shefflin so while he didn't read out what the messages were he was very pointedly asked in relation to those two uh, personalities mm. so I completely understand no he obviously had an agenda that he wanted to get out there and apparently he'd been talking with Derek McGrath who had looked a little bit down when he went out into the you know when they came across yeah. each other in between the two they passes. did have a word and Davey was talking to him with intensity now I didn't hear what he said and even if I did it was a private word so I wouldn't say it anyway but they definitely had a chat and Davey definitely said some kind of you got a sense he was batting for him do you I got a sense he was encouraging him yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. and to be honest like Derek McGrath is very hard not to like do you know because he's just so hard on the sleeve yeah like everyone wants their own county to win but if my county wasn't to win I'd like to see Derek McGrath succeed because He's salt to the earth from from everything I've experienced with him. Okay, so this is Friday's Off The Ball GA podcast with myself, Shane and Oshin. So a little bit later on, we'll be talking to James Woodlock about where Tipperary are at. We'll also have Dermot Blake, formerly of Galway, on to talk about the clash with Kerry and also a little bit about Mayo Roscommon. But now we're joined by Andrew McLaughlin, formerly of Kildare, because uh, his county are up against Kieran McGinney's Armagh and he did formerly play under Kieran McGinney. We'll also have a quick mention of Monaghan versus Down. So first of all, Andrew, welcome on the show. And uh, can you just tell us where were Kildare at when Kieran McGinney first came on board and where did he bring you to? Yeah, Unfortunately, we, we weren't competitive uh, um, back then. Um, I look back at my career, we spent about maybe five years um, before Kieran came in. I was playing with the senior team and you know, like, like every county player, you, you hope and you believe that this year could be a year and yeah we'll be good enough and you train hard but we were training hard but not hard enough we were training hard but not training smart um, I suppose Kieran came in and um, would have told us a few home truths um, that what maybe from an outsider point of view how people view Kildare or Kildare footballer and Kildare football players in particular like what what would he have said to you look that outside of maybe outside of Kildare people see Kildare as a soft touch you know and that yeah they like playing 
football and we have good footballers but uh, we don't have enough steel in the team and uh, that you can you can bully them um, you know so a few things like that uh, which is hard to take but like you, you couldn't really disagree with you know um, so we kind of set on a program of you know getting that meanness back in the jersey uh, I suppose like Glenner's team you know Rainbow and uh, William McCreary all in, them guys put the pride in the in the Kildare jersey previous you know in the campaigns in 98 and you know 2000 and they were a feared team and they had a lot of metal in, in the jersey and um, we suppose starting a quest of trying to get that back into the team and, and that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of is that we, we did we got that steel back in the team you know where other teams feared us no one wanted to get us in, in any type of draw because they knew the type of man that Kieran was and they knew the type of player that he would pick um, at that we would always battle. He wouldn't find our bottom. You know, we had enough steel in the team to to neutralise the other threats in, in in the teams we were playing against, and then we had players then to finish um, when we had the ball. Yeah, so you weren't that far away from a Leinster title, and perhaps in another era you probably would have won. And with uh, with Kieran, what what's he like in the dressing room? What do you think he's telling the Armagh players this week coming into play Kildare? Oh, he know a lot of the team very well. You know, like one of the things that Kieran did for Kildare football is that he set in structures in place with, with like we no longer had a junior team, we had a second team and, and then guys would some of them guys came through the ranks like Peter Kelly. Um obviously it was a lot of emphasis on the twenty ones, but obviously Kieran was involved with twenty thirteen when the guys won the Leinster final. Um and a lot of that team is, is, is coming to fruition with the senior uh as seniors now. So he'd know them very well. Um I suppose he'd be giving key insights into town in terms of how players might tick in terms of their mindset. Like with information available, most teams kind of know like how how players play. But unless you know and work with someone personally, you may not know the insights of their mind. You know, so I'm sure he'd have keen insights into some of the players, uh, which might be a slight advantage. But look, I'm sure he's saying, look, that these guys are uh, world beaters. You know, look at the tapes uh, or previous games and where other teams poked holes in us. Uh, where's our shortfalls? Who makes the team tick? Uh, um, because obviously in every great team there's normally three, four players in different positions I feel that actually make the team tick and everyone works around them and if you can curtail their influence on the game then other players find it difficult to, to take over them roles and the team kind of falls falls down mm. uh, so he'll be identifying them players and, and giving keen marmarking jobs to certain uh, of his players to, to try to stop them and obviously then uh, have his own players that make his team tick come to the fore and get the scores that they need to win the game. You mentioned the insights that he would have into Kildare players. Can you give us an insight into what Kieran is like, both in the dressing room as a man, you know, whatever it is? Yeah, he's a gentleman. You know, like, uh, I suppose there is a certain enigma around Kieran uh, in the media and, and outside of that as well. Um, he doesn't necessarily always play the game, you know, like some other managers may do. Um, like, they might court the press and he doesn't really do that, you know. Um, like, I... I, I He's one of the straightest players, uh, people I've kind of met. He, he's uh, he's very honest, but usually loyal, usually caring, um, like very much a man manager. You know, he'd be, what I would feel is like what like Joe Smith would be in terms of rugby. You know, Alex Ferguson in terms of um, in terms of soccer. You know, like he knows players inside out. You know, he can keep enough distance to make the tough calls, but yet cares enough in terms of what's going on in people's lives. To, to try and help them along the way, not just for his own gains in terms of okay he'll play better for me so I'll get I'll get more out of this, but for the person themselves you know like I know um, of certain players who may not have got the results that they needed in leaving starts or you know might have been drifting through their life in a professional capacity, 
and we'll set them down in terms of what's, what's their own goals, like in terms of life, their own mind football. And uh, I know guys would have been doing some PLC courses, like some, some, some guys with professional backgrounds on the team or, or, or management would have been kind of giving these guys a bit of tuition so they can get into college, so they can progress in their own lives. You know? So I don't know if any of the managers doing that uh, in a modern area now, never mind back then. And, and even from my own point of view, like obviously I, I ran my own business, um, self-employed, uh, I have a lot of family commitments, you know. Thankfully, I've got four healthy children, you know, by three back then, and and it was difficult. Um, so like he would have taken a keen interest in that, and you know, we would have spoke a lot. And obviously, to an extent, there's there's not there's not a massive amount you can do. Like you know, we didn't have massive funding in Kildare, and, and people like to think that Kieran Bled the County Draw he was far from the opposite. Like we did a huge amount of fundraisers personally as players and a management team to try to fund our own stuff because the money wasn't there in Kildare. Um, so, like, there's only so much a manager can do and only so much a manager can give you leeway, but as much as he could do for a player, he would do without a negative influence on, on the panel and on the team. Andrew, do you think it's only now that Kildare are kind of recovering from the loss of Kieran? Because Jason Ryan is a good coach and he went in there after Kieran, didn't quite work out. A lot of the players didn't want him gone. I would say most of the players didn't want him gone. and they were I'm, actually not sure quite... I'm not sure Andrew wants to rate him too highly. Based yeah, on a couple Jason of Ryan or, or Kieran, Jason Ryan. Well, okay, that's fair enough. But <laughs> um, he, you know, he's done good things in other places. But um, what about Kieran? Do you think it did take a while because, like, the players wanted him to stay? They were very angry with the county board and, and were very public about that. And maybe it kind of it, it damaged them for a couple of years. Yeah, um, it's a big void to fill. You know, like he he had a big influence on a lot of players. You know, got the lot. Uh, a lot of our players that maybe didn't know within them, themselves. There's very few managers who can go into a dressing room and tell the likes of Dermot Early or Johnny Doyle home truths and what he wanted out of them and that they would have the respect that it would come across in the way it should and it wouldn't be taken as, you know, as an insult or, you know, for the guys that throw a huff and throw like, obviously Dermot Giant aren't a type of player, but if you know what I mean, certain managers can come in and, and that will fall on deaf ears, you know, where Kieran came in and kind of go, oh, hold on, this guy knows what he's talking yeah. about. So he's held in very high regard. You know, he's managed, he's captain Ireland in, in the eras when it was really tough as rules, you know, where men had to be men and you stand up on your own two feet and, you know, and he led the lines in, in especially in, in that scenario and probably would have gained a lot of respect uh, nationally with other counties uh, in that scenario and how he commanded the dressing room. Um, and I suppose it was the same in Kildare, you know, like, it wasn't just what he'd done for us uh, with the first team in Kildare, it was the structure set up for our second team, how he treated them players, like, them players were literally trained maybe a year behind us in terms of the, the programs that we're doing. So they were putting in massive efforts um, and, you know, were playing with the so second team, you know, and if they kept it up, then they came into the first team. Same with the 21s, the guys aspired to come onto the senior team, same with the minors. You know, the structures with the county board you know, in terms of how we, we set up our own, I suppose our own gym and, and what we were doing with our training conditioning, um, that was that side of it. Uh, we had a very close tie with Pat Mangan. Pat Mangan was our, our supporters club chairman, did an unbelievable job, kind of reinvigorated that whole yeah. scene with, with Pat. Um, like Brady's Ham came on board as a sponsor. Like that CEO, Brady Ham, was so impressed with Kieran on a professional capacity, you know. And he would have obviously been in a lot of boardrooms and a lot of negotiations with a lot of different companies, um, 
nationally and internationally. And if that man turns around and says that he hasn't come across a person as impressive as, as, as Kieran in a long time, you know, it tells you a lot about the man. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, he's, I think he's usually loyal um, to his players uh, and goes above and beyond. I think he gets a lot of stack, a lot of stick maybe because he might not engage with the media sometimes or he might tell a few people in the headquarters a few home truths along the way and they, that they don't appreciate uh, and they mightn't go out of their way to help him in certain scenarios. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like that, that, I think it was a massive void to fill in Kildare. Um, yeah, I wasn't happy the way it was. I think it was a complete disrespect. You know, Kieran brought a Kildare football out of the doldrums to where we were competitive. Yeah, we didn't win enough silverware. I feel we were quite unfortunate the way things unfolded in that, but at least we were competitive. Uh, we were there, thereabouts. You know, people were proud to wear the Kildare jersey, fly the flag. You know, uh, where before it was kind of maybe people weren't as proud because I should look. Dublin will hammer them, or this will happen. You know, we were competitive. You know, like that, we were coming against a Dublin team that was probably one of the greatest in, uh, in the generation. You know, of yeah. Dublin teams. So I think they're that team is is a lot stronger than the current Dublin team. You know, I know that, and a lot of times the pundits and GA and, and Sunday game refer to them as the same team, but they're not. That's an interchangeable panel at the moment. You know, there's very few players from there that we're playing are still involved in that, um, yeah. that are still the main cog. So yeah, I think you're dead right. It was a massive void to feel. I think we're only kind of coming around now in terms of. And I suppose with the underage success we've had, it's kind of them players are kind of coming to the fore now. Um, having Rowley and and Enda Murphy involved there, like the guys got a lot of experience. You know, so did, so did Murphy from last year and Park Brennan and Brian Flanagan. But um, Rowley's with with Niall Crew, the next player. We learned a lot in Sligo and Waterford under Niall. Niall's a great man. I worked with him at club level. Um, and then Linda Murphy obviously was involved with a lot of clubs here in Kildare but you know had great success with Castle Lock in Dublin you know with known Kieran Kilkenny's at club very well and he's brought them through junior to intermediate you know I think they want to stay on a senior level um, but he, he stepped away you know for different reasons so it's a good it's a good support network there set up at the moment um, and like you know the players are really kind of reinvigorated and it takes a while for a manager like Keane to settle in you know I suppose to get what he wants to get done across and so last year wasn't didn't really go entirely the way probably they wanted it to go, but yeah. they've got success in terms of well promoted and beaten by the All Ireland finalists, so it wasn't that bad, and they were beaten away from home by the All Ireland finalists. I want to talk to you about this Kildare team and this game this weekend. After the match against Dublin, I put it to Keen O'Neill and I put it to Owen Doyle that because they hadn't played Division One opposition in a competitive game this year, I'm not counting the O'Byrne Cup maybe they just weren't used to playing at that intensity and as much as they could prepare for it and as much as they knew they were going to get that kind of competitiveness, you have, you have to actually go through it to learn from it. Do you think that was very much the case? Do you think there's things they would have learned from that game that they just kind of had to go through it? They had to essentially lose one before they could start winning ones against teams like this? Yeah, no, it's a fair point. Um, I suppose there's some kind of... I think some of the... Uh, misconceptions about Division 1 football you know like you see some teams who may have like got through the league okay in Division 1 and yeah they are you are getting punished for mistakes more often than you do against other teams in different divisions um, but I don't know it's the thing about championship football you see at a club level as well that gap seems to tighten a bit I think in terms of the stuff that competitors and the fire um, that comes in and it closes that gap between some of the divisions but I think what the key point to that is that this is a really inexperienced Gildare team you know that there isn't many guys who have massive experience and that was my one concern against Armagh now because I think this is a fairly battle-hardened team um, they've come through a lot of tight games um, 
and you can see look down got to the to the final so like I mean I suppose they were very disappointed to lose that against down and people got a bit of stick for it but down went on and progressed to the to the final you know they picked up along uh, Monaghan you know along the way and you know they're still in the, like there's Monaghan and down are still in the championship you know so I don't think Armagh got a lot of stick for where they're where they've been playing and how they've been playing and Kieran obviously got a lot of stick for that as well but. In Kildare's point of view, I think the way they considered the two goals just comes down to lack of experience. And you just can't buy that. Like like you were saying there, you literally have to go through them experience to have them uh, memories in your brain, cogs of repetition, you know, like uh, it's it's a massive part of sport now, you know, but like you see scenarios unfolding in a game, you, like the more experienced you are, you sniff the danger straight away, you automatically know how way to... When I was playing to set up the defence, you know, if I had to call Daryl to come back to fill a pocket or tell a lad to leave a lad go to the wing so we can mind the deed so because there's a goal chance on, and that's the experience, you know, and they don't have that yet. You know, young Slattery went to follow the ball, McCarthy drifted around the back, then he still should have been only a, a point, but then one of our cornerbacks, I think it would have been Grady, came across to him eager to dispossess. He slipped inside the tackle and had a, a square open goals to shoot on. Where if he had just pushed him at the angle out to the outside, he still might have got a shot off. But Mark Donnellan's a big keeper and the angle's a better frame to save. And that's experience. You can't buy it. And they have to, like you say, go through the highs and lows, playing in Crow Park with a massive crowd, the noise that you can't communicate the same way you can in an Auburn Cup game or a league game where you can your half forward might hear you. In Crow Park, if you're playing the full back line, your half back can't even hear you. Do you and, know? <laughs> and Andrew yeah. uh, just what, like one of the big threats or a couple of the big threats for Armagh when they beat Tipperary where it was Niall Grimley both from play and on the freeze, but it seems that the big one for Kildare is stopping Jamie Clark. Now how do they do it and can they do it? Yeah, well, that's he's a dang, he's such a dangerous player, Jamie Clark, and I suppose dangerous in a different sense of the word because he can maybe turn up in a game, and this is not a negative towards him, but like he could maybe be not a threat for forty five, fifty minutes, and you know for five minutes he gets in the ball, he scores one one. You know he should he could have another goal near the end when it broke. I think there was a pass on across the goals, and the midfielder decided to take a fist pass over the bar, mm-hmm. and that could have been costly in the end. But there were wide open goals to be tapped in. So a player has to be really, really has a massive level of concentration to market a guy like Jamie Clark because you get lured into a false insecurity where yeah, a couple of balls trying to find him, I haven't kind of wrapped up. He kind of drifts out of the game. Sometimes he drifts into positions that he isn't as dangerous. Uh, to uh, Kildare and he's not going to do much damage and all of a sudden then you may be the back and he thinks well actually I'll make it forward here you know where he normally wouldn't do that in the game uh, and unfortunately then that's where he wreaks havoc you know one ball and he's lethal like the way he finished that goal he kind of got mumbled up in terms of the keeper came out through a, a kind of doubt in his head yeah. the ball kind of broke loose most people just kind of pull and hope it goes in he kind of dribbled it around there was a man in the back and he just kind of rolled it in like that's that's sort of composure in front of goals like there's not many players have that you know yeah. uh, especially if you haven't really done much on the scoreboard you know yeah. most corner forwards in terms of confidence they're legal when their uh, their scores are going over but there's very few who who haven't scored all game, haven't had a massive influence of the game, get a chance like that where it kind of becomes sloppy and just have the casualness just to, you know, which you look, I'll just trot around and side, and side foot into the net. I think uh, <laughs> Joe Malloy here often, compared like. it to George Best, Joe Malloy, your fellow Kildare man. Um, I want to ask you about where Kildare are at, but in the context of the fact that their underage systems are going well at the moment, they've won the last two minor titles in Leinster, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. They gave the 
Dublin team a really good rattle this year in the semi-final Dublin went on to hammer Louth in the final they've had some good under 21 sides in the last couple of years so largely there is a production line and things are going well but if they don't win this weekend is it just a bad season and is it it, you know, does it kind of create a negativity despite all the positives, the positives of giving Dublin a, a good go in the Le- Leinster final, the positive of, of getting to Division 1? Where will it be at if they lose this weekend, Andrew? Yeah, no, it's a, I think it's a good point, I suppose. I, I thought I'd like to see them competitive against Dublin in the Leinster final, um, get a good draw, uh, and I would like to see them get, get over the next round into the quarterfinals. And I would kind of said that would have been a good season for Kildare in terms of getting that experience that we spoke about. If they lose to Armagh, I think it depends in the, in the manner of the loss. Do you know, like if, if they don't perform, if it's kind of like a, a match like the league final against Galway, that sort of performance, that, I think that would have a, a negative effect. Do you know, but football's a funny thing. Do you know, the summer passes by, you start into winter training, and that, that's kind of gone again, and they have the, the, the Division 1 football to look forward to. Is it going to put clear football back? No, I don't think they have to lose. Um, it'll obviously ha- have a, a bit of a hangover period the fact that they don't play well but I think even if they lost against Armagh and they were competitive because I think this Armagh team is, is, is quite good I think they can be stopped I think they have weaknesses but I think they're quite good they're battle hardened I was grateful of the matches in Crow Park because I was very worried the fact that it was if it wasn't going to be I think it would have been a, uh, an easier kind of a game for Armagh uh, to get over the line but the fact that it's in Crow Park Armagh haven't played in a long time um, Kildare have albeit having had many wins recently but they've had the experience of their surroundings you know, which is, is, is um, second to none to have that so if they do win and they, they, they progress I think it's Tyrone the, meet, I think the draw lines up um, correct me off if I'm wrong I'm not so, sure Andrew sure look I'm just looking at one game at a time and if you look at the next game after that you're getting distracted yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do as a player how did you feel about trotting out those bullshit lines by the way did you like that for what that? How did you uh, feel it? No, because I used to like taking yeah. over. I used to like knowing where the, the overall picture was. You yeah. know, uh, but uh, you wouldn't like if you were asked in an interview. I'm sure you'd say, "Ah, look, I'm only taking it one game at a time." No, I, did, really? I didn't. Really? Didn't I like to say, "Well, yeah. like this is the path to, towards the final." If you get over them, just so you play. Like if you, it's like uh, like in business, if I don't have a tagger for my business, if I don't know where I'm going to go. Yeah. How am I going to get there? Yeah, you have to concentrate on what's in front of you on day to day basis. Like in same in mm-hmm. football, like uh, I have to Kildare now have to deal with our man as. as uh, as Armagh as, as Kieran or, or Grimbo used to say they're in our road no, we have to get them yeah. over our road that was on their saying <laughs> but like th- that's the reality of it but you have to you have to practice and, and, and look forward you know now some teams can get distracted if, if the management team just the, 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 the kind of displayed that across like, I think what happened to Monaghan you know like obviously there was obviously certain, some talks in the dressing room in terms of building towards Tyrone in the final obviously every dog in the street was tens, tens of the players that tends to be a crackling Ulster type Ulster final, you know, uh, against Tyrone, and all of a sudden down creeped up in them. Um, do you actually do you, th- do you think um, Monaghan will turn it around against Down this time? I think yeah, the motivation is in is in is a psychological advantage in, is in their corner, mm. you know, yeah. um, like they obviously played well against Wexford because they had the banty factor against Carlo they had which sounds bad but they had no real motivation I know the motivation is to get to the next round yeah. but you know everyone expected to win everyone expected to win easy uh, they probably never ever played uh, down in Carlo before um, I think they just done what they had to do to get over the line and it was unimpressive um, but I think now the fact that they have a score to settle with down in the last day um, I think that they will get over down and the fact that with down lost the final you know didn't really perform particularly well you know, they're, they're really, I think, ruined that first uh, half goal chance. You know, that could have turned the tide because Tyrone loved the, the chance.
championship quarter in the second half and they turned the screw and that's what they did so I think Down will be happy with their season in terms of how they've got so far but I think Monaghan have that, have that edge but with the Kildare and Armagh game I think it's going to be a cracker game I think it's going to be really close um, I think it's going to be a tough one for Kildare the fact that I don't think Owen Dye is going to be available I don't have any inside information on this but I don't think he's going to be available he's a big talker and motivator in the in the unit and the backs in particular so they're going to have to look at the likes of maybe Peter Kelly back in there or maybe Fergal Conway going back from half forward back to centre back um, and that will kind of leave half forward free to, to start Paul Cribben um, and whether uh, Grimley starts on the wing forward or his name the last day where he starts in the middle I'd have him picking him up like he was lethal for them the last day he was their catalyst for everything like, he got five frees 145 but like he was catching he was driving them forward um, McParland seemed to revitalise as well you know he was he was particularly lethal um, and obviously then Clark drifting out of games I think it was two Ollie lines from Mark Clark he has the pace um, and he probably has the single mindedness uh, of a player needs to mind him you know because uh, sometimes Ali gets too caught up in terms of focusing on his player and not focusing on what's happening around him in terms of well I could do more here for the team in terms of there could be something else happening to me that's more dangerous closer to the goals but I'm marking this guy out here so I won't go but that'll probably suit Kildare this, this week marking uh, Clark because I'd say it'd be look just forget about everyone else just just, just mind him for the, for the 75 minutes uh, and that's all, that's your only job Okay, Andrew McLaughlin, former Kildare footballer, thank you very much. Sound no better at all. This is Off the Balls Friday GAA podcast, as always, brought to you by Board Gosh Energy, giving customers exclusive access to the GAA Hurling All Ireland Senior Championship at bgerewards.ie. On Sunday, the first two quarter finals of the football championship take place this year at four o'clock. It's Mayo against Roscommon. We will talk about that, but first. It is Galway against Kerry. That one's off at 2 o'clock. Dermot Blake, former Galway footballer and a member of the Galway Bay FM commentary team who will be there on Sunday. Welcome to the podcast. Before we hear from you, let's hear from Kevin Walsh speaking after last Saturday's convincing qualifier win in Markovic Park against Donegal. As you can tell by this clip, he's not getting to carried away we have a huge task coming up I know that league champions uh, you know probably won the favourites to retain the title but look, we'll, do it. We'll, do, we'll, we'll do our very very best and, uh, are you confident that you guys are in a place now where you can really rattle a team like Kerry and Croke Park uh, look, we'll, 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 we'll have to wait and see as you said earlier on the, in, the, in the interview we'll have to uh, wait to see where it crosses the white lines but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing our very best so Dermot that is what Kevin Walsh is saying but what do you think he's thinking yeah, I think he's going to Crow Park with high hopes, to be honest. Um, I, I think he got it completely right with the changes he made since the Roscommon game uh, by changing the goalie and by putting Tom Flynn to midfield and bringing in Sean Armstrong uh, and Ian Burke, I suppose. Yeah, they were, they were all really important changes, especially, I think, the, the midfield. You know, Finton got concussion and that was the reason he... He didn't play Fenton occurring, but I think Tom Flynn is more comfortable out there. And as well, Paul Conroy, they seem to complement each other an awful lot better. So, so I think Kevin is going, you know, like all them guys are young and they're, they're pretty confident guys. So I think they'll be, they'll be relishing this challenge. There wasn't just a change in personnel for the Donegal game. There was a change in attitude as well. Yeah, there was. And, and, you know, that is the one, I suppose, flaw that Kevin will know himself about this Galway team. You know, they're probably... You know, they're, they're, they were a bit complacent going in against Tipperary and um, Roscommon, this, Tipperary last year and Roscommon this year. And, you know, they didn't mean to and they didn't underestimate the, 
the uh, teams they're playing, but they just just let the I suppose the supporters what, what has been uh, said in their ear over the, over the weeks leading into the game. They just let it let it sit in their heads, and they didn't get up to the pitch of the game, you know. And Gaul, we usually play their best football when they're underdogs, like we saw against Donegal, and you know, there's no doubt about it that we'll be underdogs going up on Sunday. So that's why I think we, we we'll give it a right rattle. Dear, it's very hard to judge uh, this this thing on form because. Um Donegal were hammered by Tyrone and then they get hammered by Galway and you know Kildare put up a great showing against Dublin and yet Galway beat them in the league final and then Galway go and get hammered by Ross Common after beating Mayo so the form lines are all over the place here and yet Kerry we always know what they're going to produce they're always going to be up near the very top do you think like you haven't beaten them in the championship since the 1965 All-Ireland final can you see a way that Galway can actually beat Kerry here? Um, it's you know to be honest, an awful lot is going to have to uh, go right for Galway. You know, like what you were saying, there I completely agree. It's awful hard to read Anthony into the form over the, this, this year's championship, and I do think that uh, that was a pretty uh, beaten down Donegal team, which with you know even the experienced lads just weren't up for the fight, and the, the the younger guys were just not experienced enough. So I wouldn't read an awful lot into that, but just on Galway go, going into. The Kerry game, you know, I've heard an awful lot of people saying, you know, like our, definitely our Achilles heel is our, is our full back line. There's, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, you, you hear people saying, oh, you have to pay, play a direct sweeper. But it's very hard to go change and, you know, in in championship, in the, in the middle of the championship, you're in practically your most important game, going trying out a sweeper. And we, we tried out a sweeper against um, Roscommon in, in, Roscommon in the first half with Johnny Heaney. Johnny Heaney seems to be the guy that we use as a sweeper, but... As we saw against Donegal, it's nearly taken away from him his game holding him back. So, you know, he can really get forward and he has the legs and Crow Park will suit him. So, you know, I, I think personally that, you know, playing a sweeper is not the way to go. I think we should, we should you know, if you look at the Kerry half forward line, it's probably a lot weaker than their full forward line. So I'd be hoping that, you know, our half-back line are just going to have to let, you know, uh, let our, their half-forwards get the ball and just kind of sit in front of the full-back line and just try and keep the goals out as much as possible. Because if you, if you look at our forward line, you know, we have a really good forward line. There's no doubt about it. You know, our, our guys will score. It's just about whether we can keep the goals out. The other side is the main thing. Will it be about, will it be about transitioning that ball very quickly from the back? Because... The only way I can see Galway stopping Kerry from getting a lot of scores and goals is by bunching it at the back because in the last couple of games, even against Donegal, they left massive spaces between the half-back line and the, the, the full-back line and Kerry will exploit that space. They have the legs, they have the height if you need to go that way. So maybe the only way to combat that is bodies. But the positive side of that is that Galway have some fast, speedy players. Yeah, I, and I know my, my, from playing with Galway for, for, for uh, when we were playing, anytime we seem to try and really, really filter lads back, we still got opened up. So I, I wouldn't be going totally and utterly defensive. I just think that, like, these guys inside, Geeney, uh, Donahue, if he plays, and Dunhu, like, you know, they're the three best in, in the country. So you're not going to, like, our full backs are not going to hold them scorers. You know, these guys are going to get scores. So it's just, from what I think, it's about minimising uh, their goals. And, like, you know, if, if you could hold them to four or five points each from play, uh, you know, I think God will still be in, in with a shout because we can score on the other side. If we go bringing sweepers back, what that's going to do, it's going to leave... Uh, Shane Welsh and Damien Comer, they're going to be 
Kerry can double up on these guys on the other side. So I'd be just hoping that we can try and filter back, you know, keep it, keep the goals out and try and score the other side because we won't win this plain defensive. We ha- we're going to have to get two or three goals ourselves. Yeah, so that leaves you open to possibly getting, getting hurt the other way around. But uh, I was just wondering with the Croke Park thing. Now, you got finally got a win in Croke Park in the league final, which is obviously good for a lot of the players' confidence. But the fact that none of these players have experienced a championship win at Croke Park, none there in the championship since 2001, and Kerry have won there many, many times over, is that a factor? Does it make a difference? Or is it just is that something being talked about in Galway even? Uh, I, I don't think that's a factor at all with the players. It, it's been talked by by the supporters a lot but the players not not really at all you know like mm. if you you know these, these Galway forwards especially the Galway forwards like you look at Shane Welsh there you know he he's he the type of a player that's nearly frustrating to play with or to watch during the league because you know he like these get play, getting up for a game in an FBD game you know down down in Markovich Park he, he doesn't want to know about it but he, this guy wants to play in Crow Park. I guarantee you he's relishing his chance to whoever he's on and he's going to show what he can do. That's the way he thinks. Ian Burke is another guy. Like, Ian Burke, is that was his first game the last day, but, you know, this guy's around, he's 24 uh, years of age. He, you know, he's well able for this for this stage. Sean Armstrong. You know, all these guys have, have confidence in their own ability. So, I, I, you know, I think that if we can just stay in the game, you know, and the one thing, I know we're, we're you know, the full forward line are, are very good for Kerry, but Kieran Donaghy, like that's the one huge problem, I think, with us because we, we have a small full back line. And, you know, what do you do there? Well, like, how, how do we how do we mark him? We, we don't, like Finian Hanley would be the, you know, would have covered that position, but he's injured now. So, you know, we have a guy there, David Welsh, but he's relatively inexperienced. So I just think the aerial threat, Kerry could go with something like that. And, you know, that could, the game could be over after 20 minutes if we're not careful. Mm, and do, would you lick your lips at the prospect of finishing the game off with a forward line that included Shane Walsh, Damian Comer, Michael Meehan even, who came back for two minutes the last day, and Sean Armstrong. I mean, there aren't many as good as that, especially if if Meehan is going well. It's hard to tell in the space of a couple of minutes in injury time, though. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, again, I want to go back to this guy, Ian Burke. If you watch him off the play the last day against Sligo, mm-hmm. he brings everyone into play. Like, I know he, he gave the pass for the first goal over Johnny Heaney flicked in, but if you look at for the second goal, he got a ball, he could have tapped that ball over the bar, and do you remember he went to dummy soul yeah, and it didn't yeah. come yeah. off? But the reason he did that was he saw Paul Conroy going in behind him. So he knew the goal chance was on. So this guy, I've seen him, I've played against him, he's tormented to be a club footballer for years. He is a real goal poacher and he will, he will take that extra pass to try and get a goal. And I think these guys will, you know, if Kerry, Kerry won't drop lads back if we don't drop lads back. So I think they're going to get space and I think it'll be a really high scoring game. I think our fours will get goals. Dimmerit, we will get more on Galway in just a few moments. But first, Ross, Common take on Mayo in the second part of Sunday's double header. This obviously also an All-Ireland quarter-final. The Rossi's boss, Kevin McStay, has been speaking to Off the Balls, Dave McIntyre, in the last couple of weeks. And Dave asked him if he thought there was any weakness in his team. And he says that maybe they're not quite powerful enough. Maybe they're not quite up there with the big teams. The big issue I have, I suppose, if I'm being truthful, is size and physical power. But we've shown that we have a, a, a nice bit of football in us that can avoid a lot of that. But ultimately we're probably not ready to, to make a big statement. You know, and that's gonna, we're going to just have to be patient for two or three years to the bulk up and, and, and get stronger uh, and bigger. And that will happen because what's not known in, in, in this conversation outside of the county, and maybe even not within the county either, is that you know, 
we, we would have Ulton Harney, Cahill Compton, Kieran Cafferkey, uh, these sort of players, like uh, Fergal Lennon, like these are the top underage players. Like they would be in the top six or seven underage players of the last 10 years. And they're not even, they're, because of uh, injury, they're not part of the equation right now. Well, Cahill Compton is working his way back, obviously. But like they're going to be big additions to us now in terms of size because they're all six footers and they're big big men and powerful men uh, and they're going to add to the uh, add to the to the tribe next year I've no doubt so that's all good for us but right now in the here and now Dave it's going to be very difficult for us to progress in in Crow Park because we're just not big enough or physical enough at the moment but that's not to say we won't be trying savagely hard to get the win using the, 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 the tools, you do the, the tools that we do have, mm. that, we do, that we do, like our game plan, our game management is, is, is quite good, uh, our skill level is quite good, but just that bit of power that you need at this last eight level that we're heading into now, you know, is, is probably lacking if, 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 if we look at it in, in great detail. But that's not to say it's a showstopper. Well, Dermot, what do you think of that? They don't have the power. Don't believe it for a second what he's saying there. He, he, he's just he's just playing things down. I think, like I'd say, I'd say Max Day would, would give his army pinching up to, to get a win over Mayo with what happened a couple of years ago down there. So, you know, I, I do think though that um, they are going to struggle. If like I, I think Galway against Roscommon played into their hands with with our kickout strategy hugely. We, you know, they are struggling uh, at midfield for the aerial uh, kickouts. So. I think with Aidan O'Shea and and the, the and Seamus O'Shea and Parsons out from the middle, I think they're really going to struggle out there. You know, Mayo, Mayo against Galway, Aidan O'Shea wasn't playing and uh, Colin Boyle wasn't there either. And I just think that uh, that they just, they just have too much in the locker for them. Uh, you know, I think that that uh, Roscommon are on such a high now after the Galway game. It's a huge, huge victory for them. You know, it's like winning all Ireland down there. So it's going to be very, very hard for them to get focused and try and um, take out Mayo again. But uh, you know, I, I think Mayo are, are, are moving along nicely, and I think that um, you know they'll be there thereabouts uh, this year again extra time in two of their qualifiers and a tough game for about 55 minutes against Clare. Do you think there's any truth in the theory or merit in the theory that Mayo are going to be tired coming into this game and could be exposed in the, the big open plains of Crow Park? Uh, absolutely not. I think that the qualifier run has been hugely beneficial for Mayo for one reason only, that Aidan O'Shea has seemed to have got really fit. If you look at Aidan O'Shea in the first game against Sligo, he was carrying about a half a stone, which he never carries. If you look at even a clip from that game to the clip uh, last weekend, he's like he, he's like a different, leaner guy. And, you know, he really makes Mayo tick. It's as simple as that. When he's going well, Mayo play very well. And um, I think that the qualifier run has been very good because it has given him game time to find a bit of form and find a bit of confidence. And, uh, you know, he, he, I think he, he'll cause awful damage for Roscommon on Sunday. There was actually some very interesting um, stats put out by Eamon Donoghue in an Irish Times article. He, in the five appearances that uh, Aidan has made this summer, and a couple of those were from the bench, he's got five points and 14 assists and uh, six marks in on top of it as well. So, like, his form, yeah. is, it's, it's hard to doubt at the moment. One thing I, I'd wonder, Dermot, just from watching Mayo over the years, do you get the sense that, you know, they've been on the go since 2011, getting pretty deep into the championship, that early the early part of the championship, they don't seem to be enlivened by the competition. And it isn't until later when they get to Croke Park, when it gets pretty much do or die, that we even see anything like the real version of Mayo. Or is that just a convenient thing to say? 
Yeah, I, I, I think so. But, you know, from, from if you look at, I think the difference between the, the Mayo under James Horn and the Mayo under Stephen Rashford is that the Mayo under Stephen Rashford seems to try and analyse the opposition and stop them playing and then kind of get it into a, a, a dogfight and, and, and push, in, push away in the last 10 minutes and get a victory, whereas... Uh, under James Horn, they're more of a process, and they kind of they were playing to a system of play all the time. So you know, I just think that um, Mayo, you know, w- when they come up against the bigger teams, they'll have it. They'll be very. Uh, they'll have their tactics done, and they'll be very well ready for them. But you know, I I, I don't think that uh, Mayo are, are going to struggle like that at all. But like, if you look at the Mayo forward line, they're very reliant on uh, Andy Moore. And, and I think that sometimes Stephen Rashford makes changes for the sake of making changes. You know, like he's always the first guy. He's He's been taken off in every game. And I know he's an old player, but, you know, he's still a guy that'll get you scores uh, coming to the edge of the end of the game. And if he's going well, I'd be leaving him on for the full game because that, like, they don't really have anyone better on the sideline. And I think that, you know, if you look at the last day, the subs that Stephen Rashford made, it really weakened the team taking off Colin mm. Boyle and a few lads like that. And Keegan and, you know, going May- off on a black Keegan card. Keegan going off. Yeah. And, like, Mayo have the players that are there. And, you know, the bottom line is they, there's no one putting their hand up on the bench that's that much better than them. These guys are the guys that, that are going to win the Ireland if they're going to win it. So, you know, I'd be sticking with the, with that team if I was Stephen Rockford and, and see, see who he gets on. Yeah, so, like, this is a team that got to an All-Ireland final last year, went to a replay we're one free kick away from drawing a second All-Ireland final. So, and I mean, you can't put a whole squad's year as, and say they're failures when somebody misses a free and, and nobody's blaming uh, Killian O'Connor for missing that free either. It was difficult and the unbelievable pressure as well. Uh, so for all intents and purposes, they're a sliver away from being an All-Ireland champion. Do you think their time has come and gone or do you still see them as potentials? I, I still think that the, that they'll be there, thereabouts. To be honest, the, re, the reason that I would say that is because Kopark suits these guys. Like they, uh, Mayo have a set of backs that can mark man to man any forward line in the country because they've their their strength is their backs and they're very athletic and they're fast. And you know a lot of a lot of teams can't do that when they go to Kopark. Their backs, one or two of their backs, get isolated and gets found out that doesn't happen against Mayo and another thing which Mayo have improved this year I think in comparison to last year is Aidan O'Shea you know I, I don't agree that Aidan O'Shea should be played in the full forward line I think if you look at the work rate he gets in and the tackles he puts in out around the you know the centre forward midfield area he causes havoc out there he's, he, he's an option for kickouts. he just creates an awful, an awful lot of scores and I think if you look at Aidan last year in the all Ireland final he didn't, he didn't have the influence for the guy who's probably Mayo's best player and I think that as well with, with, with Lee Keegan Lee Keegan went off uh, last uh, he got a black hair in, in, in the replay and you know if, if I was Stephen Rashford I'd be just going with, with, with the same guys and hoping that Aidan O'Shea can add a bit more at number 11 and see who they get on yeah, because I, I spoke with Aidan in a one-on-one earlier on in the year and I said to him, like, in some ways I think that having you at full forward makes Mayo predictable because you know you're pretty much going to be stuck on the square and there's a, a high ball going to probably come in. So the other team can gamble pretty much on how Mayo are going to attack. And he said, well, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, maybe people don't see everything we're trying to do. But if I saw him on the edge of the square... I couldn't see them winning all Ireland, and and not because he's not a good enough player yeah. to deliver, but it just makes Mayo too obvious. And you know, there's always going to be bodies in the middle, and they're going to be yeah. choke choke themselves up and not get goals. I feel. 
and as well as that, Mayo aren't a long kicking team. They're not a guy. They're not a team that can play the long ball. They, mm. Their strength is wing backs and half backs and midfielders. This kind of chaotic running from the back line, where they're all running off the shoulder, and you don't know where to look or run. And in that sense, you know, I think Mayo are an awful lot better with Killian O'Connor and Andy Moore inside, and they're running side to side. And I think Killian O'Connor's movement this year, you know, I was watching him last year, and his movement, he was very predictable for a guy that. Um, isn't fast, you know, he needs to be running left and right and losing guys left and right laterally so that when he gets the ball, he's close to goal. And himself and Andy seem to have worked on that this year and their movement is very good. So if I was Stephen Rochford, I believe in Aidan O'Shea at 11 and playing that running game. And when you draw teams out to you because you're, you're, you're run, playing the running game, there's be space inside for these two guys. And then you play, yep. you know, short balls into them. That, that's where Mayo are at their best, I think. Um, and the long ball just doesn't suit them. Dermot, just before we let you go, we've probably got a handle on what you think will happen between Mayo and Roscommon. You fancy Mayo there, but I'll ask you two questions in one. One, what's your prediction for Galway and Kerry? And two, if Galway take a beat down in this game like they did against Tipperary last year, is it kind of a write-off of a season? Is it a poor season? Or is it a good season because they got to Division 1, got to a Connacht final and they'll have been knocked out by Kerry. They won't have been knocked out by Tip. And as good as Tip were, you know it yourself. People say, oh, we were beaten by Tip. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that you're that if Galway get a, get a hide in Upman Crow Park, it definitely will. It'll, it'll nearly, uh, everything that Kevin Welsh has done the last two years, it'll really put question marks over them. And that's the way everyone kind of felt, after, the supporters felt after the Roscommon game. But we've kind of rectified that against Donegal. But we have to go up and uh, perform up here. There's no doubt about it. You know, the, the players aren't young anymore. They're on the go. They're at, they have the same system and the same management. You know, with, with two years straight. So this, you know, they have to really perform. And I think if you look at, you know, Paul Conroy, Gary O'Donnell, Garrett Bradshaw, you know, guys like that, Tom Flynn. You know, this is this is the biggest game of their careers now. You know, as far as I can see, because they're at the right age. You know, it's now or never. They need to stand up and be counted. Everything is going well. They have no injuries. Um, and they just need to go up. The one fear I would have on that is that if we start bad, uh, you've seen against Tipperary last last year and you see against uh, Roscommon, when we start bad and we go down, the heads drop and mm. we could get a hiding. So that's why I'm... I'm just fearful of I don't whatever, we know we're going to get off Dunahoo and Guinea but I just think the aerial threat of Donahue because like all our full backs are very small if we can stop them getting goals early and uh, I've no doubt that our forwards will, will click up front I'm very confident in that forward line they, they're all playing in sync with each other and I think we get scores we always do against Kerry even, even in 2008 that rainy day up there you know we, we were down a lot of players but We'll get scores. It's just whether we we'll keep it out and, and the other side. But just back to the prediction, I, you know, I think that um, I think this Galway team are going to put up a really good show. I would say that we will scare Kerry, but you know, I, I think that's a really it's a really good Kerry team, and they'll probably edge it by four or five in the end. But we'll put a give them a right good battle. Dara Blake, former Galway footballer, thanks for joining us on Off the Balls Friday GAA podcast. Enjoy. The game on Sunday, I know you're on with the guys on Go at Bay FM, so people will be able to uh, hear your comments throughout the afternoon. Cheers, guys. Well, if the Galway squad are as positive as Dermot Blake, then they really do have a chance against the Kingdom. Now, this is Friday's Off The Ball GAA podcast, and the way it works with podcasting is that you record it, then you put it all together. If something happens after that, then you kind of have to 
bounce with it like I'm doing now. So we generally record on Thursday and put it out on Friday. But on Thursday evening after we record it, Michael Ryan, the Tipperary uh, manager, confirmed that Cahill Barrett would not be back in the squad ahead of the semi-final or for the final should they get there. Of course, they play Galway on August 6th. Now, we've got James Woodlock on where Tipper at overall and he also spoke about Cahill Barrett. And in truth, nothing has really changed but the confirmation from Michael Ryan himself. So this is what Ryan had to say to Tip FM at last night's press event uh, in Turles. Yeah, look, there's been a, an awful lot of media speculation about this, particularly in the last couple of days. And, and that's, you know, that's probably as much as I'm going to do is just confirm. And um, look, we just want to get on with, we, we have a super squad of 35 fellas chomping at the bit to, to go forward and represent uh, Tipperary in the best way they possibly can. And that's where we're going to focus our energies. So it just absolutely confirms what we kind of already knew and what was reported during the week that Cahill Barrett will not be back. So that really does not change our conversation with James Woodlock that we had before the news was confirmed because we did it on the assumption that Barrett would not be back. So we got into it with Woodlock. If that's the wrong or the right call or if Tipperary would miss Barrett. First though, Shane started by asking James where he thinks Tipper at heading into the semi-final having had a good look at them through the championship so far. So look, it has been a mixed bag really. I I think we performed um, okay up front really in the Cork game. And we were beaten. We knocked up a good score. Uh, that we win most games. We were beaten, I suppose, that day for pace in our backs. And we're being bit for aggression again, Galway in the league final. And they're two worrying aspects. Since then, I suppose you can say that we had, no disrespect to any other teams, we had the easier route until we got to the quarter final again, Clare. And again, really, our backs weren't tested. We were tested for a small while and we suffered with two goals in the space of a minute. So, going into an All-Ireland semi-final, I think we're still unsure where we are and our backs are definitely untested for a full 70 minutes. Our forwards have shown what they can do against poor opposition. Now, when it comes to an All-Ireland semi-final against Galway, that were able to squeeze us inside in, um, Limerick in a league final, they won't be able to get the same squeeze on as in Crow Park. Um, but you'd be hoping our forwards can do a whole lot better. Yeah, is there that much of a difference between playing in a place like the Gaelic Grounds and Crow Park? Because Tipperary like, have been fairly stifled by the work rate of Galway and their physicality in probably, what was your, was the 2015 All-Ireland semi-final was possibly your last game for Tipperary. And then also last year when we bet them by, uh, when Tipperary beat them by a point. Yeah, absolutely. And that but. All we bring that, all we bring massive physicality because for any other team, they don't seem to raise their game as high as they can do it for Tipperary. They love playing us and they definitely don't fear us. And what we had last year was a savage work ethic about us and the way we went about our business was full of aggression and a bit of meanness. And this year, we just don't seem to have that. And all we have it in abundance and a lot more than they had last year and only for parties hook last year. Um... And I suppose the tackle on Joe Canning, we could have been in bother. And going back to this year, Galway, we know what they're going to bring. Now, the difficulty for Galway is that they have been out of action for a considerable period of time. And Tip have had three games on the run in Dode. They might not have been um, overexerted in all three games. They were still pushed to the limit in the quarterfinal. And it's still a game an awful lot closer than Galway have played in recent times, uh, coming into an All-Ireland semi-final. So... We know what's facing us. It's, can we match it now? James, what about the tip back line? Um, it's been said all season that they lack a bit of pace. Um, 
is that the case or is it just a weakness that we're telling ourselves that they have like last year in the football when we all said oh well the one weakness Dublin has is the high ball and defending that when it turned out to completely not be the case or well it wasn't exploited anyway but where are you on that do you think that is a genuine worry for Tip going into this game against Galway a lack of pace in the back line look no one talked about our lack of pace last year um, and we won an All-Ireland final my difficulty and I have been critical of it I suppose is that we don't have the same back line now and our half back line have been beaten I suppose for pace against Cork this year already but my uh, take on that is that we probably were beaten at midfield also and have been for the last couple of games so they haven't got a whole pile of protection the last day uh, our half back line were absolutely superb in the first half again Clare and they were good again in, in the second half coming to the ball but were never really taken on by Clare at any stage until I suppose Bobby Dunn came on and he causes problems by running at us you know? so if we do um, get over Galway and we face Cork Cork are going to try and do the same thing as they did to us inside and third so look we don't have the same back and we don't have the same goalie, so we don't have the same understanding between all seven backs that are playing at the moment. And that is a concern because Galway has beaten us this year and Cork have beaten us. And they're going to try the exact same tactic that they used on both days, I suppose, to turn tip over if we can get that far. But we still have the backs that won an All-Ireland for, for us last year. And I think if we still had the same six backs and same same goalie in position, that we would be stronger. Yeah, so... I mean, you're, you're a midfielder. You've been a midfielder for many years and you've played against David Burke. What would you want Mike Ryan to do to try and counteract David Burke who will try and feed that inside line and expose the perceived lack of pace in the tipful back line? Yeah, well, David Burke is an extremely good horror, but from now on, you're going to get that in uh, the two midfielders for Cork are good, Galway are the same, and Watford, look, they create havoc around the middle of the field. For us, I think our half-back line have got to get protection from our two midfielders. And they have got to step up to the plate the next day, and I'm sure they will. Um, but we have got to sit in it and create a wall along that half-back line because all five are very strong in the air. And if we can stop the ball going through, it will get us a, a, a long way down the road to beating Galway. But the very minute our ball breaks half-back line, our two midfielders have got to be shot onto it. You know, if Paddy's exposed on one side and a ball coming down top him, he has to have someone coming in behind him or at least in at the side with a cornerback coming out. So we've got to try and squeeze... Um, I suppose our own backline in and try and tighten it in to create a numbers game there that when it comes to the ground that we can win it but our two midfielders will have a big role to play and that's what I presume Mike Ryan is going to be telling them lads you've got to especially with the forwards we have we'd like to have it open up front so our half forward line the minimum on our 65 is not back towards midfield and our two midfielders create a wall across our half back line creating five across and see can we stop the ball there from going through or probably win it in the air God, we're good in the air, but so are tip in our half-back time once we steady up and we're extremely good coming to the ball. We don't know exactly why he's been excluded from the squad, but we know he is not in the squad and in the Irish Independent this week, they report that he won't be coming back. But how big a loss is Cahill Barrett? If Cahill Barrett was to be included for the Galway game, he would have to have trained on Tuesday night. He didn't train. Um, he's a massive loss. Cahill Barrett is the best car back in the game himself and I suppose... Um, Paul Murphy and Donna Maher is having a great season you know he's a massive massive loss you know the pace the aggression the hurling he has you know and he takes on his man every time he comes outside and delivers a superb ball I think he's an absolute massive loss there for his pace alone and his man marking ability but as I said if he was to be involved it would have been last Tuesday night he'd been back in train he's not 
Look, I would hate to see Tipperary bow out at a semi-final stage or an all-iron final stage with Carl Barrett looking at the telly. And I don't think the tip public are going to thank any management team for leaving off the best cornerback in Tipperary uh, and having watched him to tell you why we progress onto an All Ireland semi final. Jez, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he played a, a match last weekend. Was that against Drummond Inch or your own team? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I played against him, yeah. yeah uh, I, I played uh, against Cahill. And how did he play? Oh, like, were you yeah. direct, directly on him or was it just he was. No, no, I was. Uh, I, I was centre back on one side. He was wing back on the other side. Cahill played well. Now, look, absolutely a bit rusty because he is only coming back. Mm. But, you know, how much is that game going to bring him on? What would a train session have done on Tuesday night for him with another train session tonight and a panel match at the weekend with Tip, you know, and didn't face none? Now, look, there's pros and cons. You can absolutely see Michael Ryan's side. He's got to here, and um, he might want to disrupt things inside with, with, with the players. And that's absolutely, you know, that's his prerogative on it. But I'd hate for our season, season to, in Tipperary to be defined on, on a hurler that's there to play, that wants to play, and just uh, isn't going to play. Um, now, look, we, we don't know the reason. So, obviously, Michael is the manager. He makes that call. But the Tipperary public, I'm not too sure if they really care what he did, if he plays, and we can win an All-Ireland semi-final or an All-Ireland final. Do you kind of admire Michael Ryan? Because he knows that if they don't win the All-Ireland, people are going to blame the Barrett thing. But he's sticking by his guns. He is not bending to public opinion he is doing what he thinks he needs to do as a manager and Tip might well win the All-Ireland they might do it without Cahill Barrett but he is taking a gamble well maybe he's not in his eyes but he is making a big call yeah he's making a stance and that's Michael's prerogative and, and that is the way Michael goes he would have done the same thing last year if you're good enough to play for Tipperary you'll play if you're not that's it and the rules are the rules and there's no bending of it and with the way Michael's approach is and look my only concern is the best cornerback is going to be in, in Tipperary, I suppose, or one of them is going to be watching the telly and not playing. And Mike, I suppose, is going to define his managerial career for his two years on, on this decision. And absolutely, I said it at the start when we were beaten by Cork the week after in the paper. I said, I still think we have the team to win the All-Ireland final. But I probably had encountered having Cockle Barrett at this stage. I still think we can do it. But Michael is going to define his, 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 I suppose, his managerial career for the last two years on this the decision, right or wrong, and he's happy enough to stick with it, you know, and it's his decision, he's the manager, and it has to be taken at that. James, you were part of the, the team in 2014 that lost the first round against Limerick, and then there was a huge amount of rumours about players going on the beer and all that kind of stuff, and it, and it seems again this year, lose the first game against Cork, and it's nothing but rumours all over Tipperary. Like 2014, has it shut everyone up that the team has won a few games? Has all that uh, gone away? Yeah. Uh, it has, to be honest, and there has not, uh, I suppose, um, a small bit after the Cork game, people are looking for excuses, what went wrong, uh, blaming players, then management, then external factors, socialising that. It hasn't been a problem. I've been there. If there was, I'd have known it. Look, lads, they're amateur players, are entitled to go out and have a few drinks, absolutely, but those boys mind themselves coming into championship, after championship, on a championship night, they're allowed out, but that has all died away, really, you know, and there's optimism obviously and tip um, coming in and we didn't have the hardest straws as I said coming in along so we should be still fresh for an All-Ireland semi-final Clare pushes the whole way and because we allowed them to do it uh, the game should have been over way earlier um, so we're coming in perfect into this game if we can tighten up behind which is a massive ask because you're probably talking about the same players that played in the last couple of games 
and get things right with our goalie. I think we've a massive shout here. Mm. And, ju- and just one final point: your own club mate Seamus Callan and uh, the two McGraths are absolutely shooting the lights out. Do you think Tipperary could actually win this All Ireland by just going out and saying we'll score more than you? It's always a risk you take, isn't it, when you go at that? Because absolutely, we have. I think we're the best forwards in the game that are going in, into an All Ireland semi final out of four teams. Out of four teams, will they get the space and attitude that they got? Um, in the last three games, absolutely not. Can we outshoot any other team? I think so. Yes. Cheers for that, James. No matter that. Thanks a million. Good stuff. Fair play. Appreciate. It. Chat to you soon. Of course, in 2010, Tipperary did the double. They won the senior and the under 21. That's a pretty tenuous link. I appreciate, but it does move us on to the Board Gosh Energy All Ireland Under 21 Championship. Limerick getting a win over Cork in the Munster final on Wednesday night by two points, 16 points to 111. That was a big win. Of course it was. They'll go on to play Galway in the semi-final, but probably the bigger win was Derry beating yeah. down for the first time in eight years. They are the Ulster champions. 317 to 19. That is fantastic. And, uh, up against Kilkenny next. So Derry got to an All-Ireland uh, semi-final in the club with Schlock Neil and now getting to an All-Ireland semi-final at under 21 and their seniors won the Nicky record as well. So, you know, you can't ignore progress. Progress, it's obviously been pretty strong. So long may it continue because you can't have enough counties competing well in hurling. And where they're fanatical about hurling in Derry, they are fanatical about it. Well, they are, of course, and why wouldn't they be? You're, you're a good hurling man yourself. I'm a good hurling man myself, but what does the hurling snob love more than anything else? Uh, good sod. A good sod. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you one more guess. Um, Above all else. Ristiness. 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 That's in the top three. But Are what a hurling snob loves more than anything else is a hurling diehard from a non-traditional hurling county. Why do you say that? Because they're keeping the game alive where football is popular. And they're keeping the game alive in pretty tough circumstances and they're sticking to their guns and I think we admire that battling against the odds Fair play long may it continue I, I think that as a hurling man anyway what do you think? That's right I tend to I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't disagree with you Sure there's and, nothing wrong with it And the more people who keep uh, keep the game going the better Okay don't forget to tune in to Off the Ball all this weekend we're on top of the football qualifiers tomorrow in Crow Park at 5 o'clock it's the first one which is the first one is Monaghan down at five and then Kildare Armagh at seven. I totally remembered that. I didn't need you to tell I me off the script. On Sunday, it's the All-Ireland quarterfinals. I'm pretty confident I remember the order here at two o'clock. It's Galway against Kerry and four o'clock it is Roscommon against Mayo. James Horan will be watching across the afternoon for Off the Ball. They'll also have some more special guests involved in that. Shane, how do we direct our abuse towards you? You can do it at that, Shane Saint. Or go to whatever, wherever the next hurling match is on or just, just fire abuse at my name. It'll get to me. Just follow Kula. Uh, you can get me on at Oshin Langan. GAA on News Talk brought to you by Board Gosh Energy, official electricity partner to the GAA. Follow hashtag hurling to the core for all senior championship action. From Shane and myself, it's goodbye. Enjoy your GAA weekend.